Dr. Sarah Baldy was raised in Northern Australia. She earned a dual bachelor's degree in chemistry and biochemistry, as well as postgraduate honors in organic chemistry from Northern Territory University. She graduated with a veterinary degree from Murdoch University in 2004 and went into mixed animal practice in Victoria after graduation. She then transitioned into a small animal locum position near Melbourne. In 2009, Dr. Baldy sustained a neck injury that resulted in years of debilitating pain. This experience led her to holistic medicine. She was certified in acupuncture by IVIS in 2011 and afterwards became both a demonstrator and lecturer for the IVIS course. She earned her CERT 4 TAE in 2012, and this allowed her to work with veterinary nurses in surgical training, as well as veterinarians enrolled in acupuncture training. Her current activities include performing acupuncture in a veterinary rehabilitation practice and working on the student services team at CIVT. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Sarah Baldy as we discuss her education, early years of employment, dealing with her cervical injury, and how that experience helped shape her relationship with her patients. Dr. Baldy, it's great to talk to you. Hi, Neil. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Darwin, which is in the Northern Territory, right at the top of Australia, um, in the tropics. So hot, humid weather, very predictable weather. And it was a great place to grow up um, as a kid. It was very laid back very multicultural, um, and, you know, a, a pretty safe place to grow up as well. Oh, that's good. Did you have a lot of pets growing up or no? You know, that's a funny question. We were a cat family. My yeah. mum and my dad just weren't into dogs. My sister uh -huh. and I, we, we desperately wanted a dog at, at one point, but um, we just weren't allowed to. Um, and so we grew up with cats. And I'm kind of grateful for that because I, I grew up, understanding the complexities of cats and growing to oh. love that about them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, we were definitely a cat family. Oh, cool. So I know you, you studied chemistry, but did you go to university thinking about veterinary medicine? You know, I didn't. Okay. Um, I was one of these kids or young adults um, growing up that wanted to be many things. I didn't yeah. really know what I wanted to do or be or make of myself. Um, and I think it's just because I just didn't have the maturity, you know, to mm -hmm. really ask myself, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a naturopath. I wanted to work in uh, perfumery. I wanted to, um, be so many weird and wonderful things. I wanted to be a radio DJ, um, as yeah. well. So it's so many different things. Um, but I always knew that science was my forte. Mm -hmm. um, with learning. I wasn't really into humanities, English, social sciences, law, economics, those sorts of things. They just didn't spark an interest in me. So I just stuck with stuck with science and um, did enough to get through high school, did enough to get into the Northern Territory University uh, where I started um, doing a double degree in chemistry and biochemistry. And I I just knew that that's what I liked. That's what what I wanted to um, to pursue. And it wasn't until um, probably the second year, halfway through the second year of my Bachelor of Science, um, that I started to ask myself, oh, what do I really want to make of myself? I'm going to come out of this Bachelor um, as a 
chemistry and biochemistry graduate, you know, but what I want to do with my life. And, um, and I started thinking about different career options. Um, and veterinary science um, crossed my mind and I gave it um, a reasonable amount of thought and I thought, gosh, I, th- I want to do a job that has um, that I can be proud of, that I can feel like I'm making a difference, but something that's going to be um, each day is going to be new and bring challenges. I don't want to be stuck in, you know, at a desk all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's what I ended up deciding to to chase, chase the dream of becoming a veterinarian. And, um, yeah, I took the long road to get there. Yeah. So you're a couple of years in to your degree and then, then it, you were locked in. Yeah, that's right. That's when I really started applying myself, you know, really starting to try and get good grades at university and, you know, and try and really make something of myself. So I finished finished my bachelor, which was three years, um, and then I did a an honours year. And at, at the time at the Northern Territory University, the honours year was considered a postgraduate year. You had to do a thesis, research, you know, pr- produce a, a written thesis and a presentation at the end of the year. And um, and I gave that a really good red hot, red hot go. Um, and that was enough to get me into the vet course at, um, at Murdoch University in Perth. So that was the reason for you to do that extra work was to just kind of Get yeah. ready for vet school. Yeah, that was my primary aim, but I needed to keep my options open because I knew that it wasn't guaranteed. You know, it was not a sure thing. And you know, after finishing the the honors degree, I had I had to apply as a mature age student, um, and so um, I had to demonstrate that I had an appreciation for the veterinary profession. You know, and that I had done other work outside my university training to show my commitment to, to the area and um, I did various things. You know, I worked, did a little bit of work with the, the local shelter. I worked with the Department of Primary Industries um, and I did some work on a private um, a private property um, at a Tipperary station which was a collection of like animals from the African savannah, you know. So wow. this is, a, yeah, I just, yeah. I just, I don't know how, I can't even remember how I chanced on the opportunity to just write them a letter and say, hey, can I just come and do some work experience? Where they had, they had a giraffe, they had tapir, they had all sorts of um, all sorts of weird and wonderful animals and that was just great. I really enjoyed that. Oh, man. And you yeah. worked all through school. Yeah, I started working at the age of 15. So yeah. I started working um, at KFC. That was my first job at uh, the age of 15. And that, that earned me some good pocket money to burn on the weekends and get up to travel. Um, and and then once finishing high school, I got a waitressing job um, yeah. at a cafe and that was the kind of work that carried me through my 10 years of uni, you know, to support myself, earn some money to buy food, pay bills and, um, you know, do that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that work. Um, I almost wanted to to chase hospitality, you know, and, um, you know, chase the dream of owning my own little cafe or restaurant and, you know, welcome, welcoming people through the doors and feeding them and giving them a good time. So, um, but no, I chose, chose, um, chose a different option and I'm really glad I did. 
but it taught me a lot of skills. Yeah. It taught, taught me how to work under pressure, deal with uh, deal with people, you know, whether they were happy or, or disappointed, um, mm-hmm. impatient or, um, you know, and how you can just make people feel good as well, yeah. you know. Oh, I, be- I bet that was really good training. Yeah, I loved it. Really did. Uh, so did you like veterinary school? I did. And um, it was it was such a different experience to my first degree. Um, when I arrived at vet school in Perth, I just had this feeling of um, belonging. And, and I didn't really have that in my first degree. There was, you know, you know, like I said, um, in the Bachelor of Science that I first did, you graduated with a, you know, a qualification, but it didn't really say who you were uh, and what you could do. But when I arrived at vet school, I felt like I was amongst a group of people who had a common goal, a common interest, um, and, you know, common purpose. And um, I was really proud to go to Murdoch University. It was, um, it was my first preference and the only vet school that would take me. <laughs> so well, that I was worked lucky. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was so pleased. Um, and, you know, it was a hard slog as it is for every vet student. You know, every vet student's got a huge workload in front of them and they're all just working hard to get to the end and be a vet, you know. Um, yeah. Was it competitive? It in, was. Once you got into school? It was. There were a lot of com- competitive personalities, but um, I'm not a competitive person, so I didn't buy into any of that. And I had um, I had other things to worry about, like um, working every Friday night, every Saturday, Saturday night, all day Sunday, just to um, just to be able to support myself through yeah. through the, the the degree. And so I didn't buy into that. I just knew I'd made it, and I was just going to give it my best and do what else I had to do just to get to the end of the, the, the five years. That's probably really healthy, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I, and it's just, um, I, I think it's silly, actually. Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. It's a bit silly to be competitive like that. Once you're in in the door and you're doing the degree, you're only competing with yourself, I think, you know, trying yeah. to be the best that you can be and get the most that you can out of it so that you can walk out the door and be the best vet that you can. Yeah. I think if they'd emphasize that more, even when, you know, when I was in school, that would have been a lot healthier for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what kind of practice did you join after graduation? Well, after graduation, I fell in love with Perth um, and Western Australia. But the sad thing was, was that there was no jobs. There were absolutely no jobs um, to apply for. Um, And I think it's because everybody falls in love with Perth. (laughs) Ah, and okay. they want to stay and or maybe not being a competitive person I wasn't forward thinking enough to try and line myself up a job before I graduated I'm not sure what it was but um they they just weren't the job opportunities so I went where the jobs were and they were over in the east coast of Australia and I moved to uh country Victoria I chose Victoria because my sister lived in Melbourne mm-hmm. um and um I started out in um uh, a town country town called Mildura um, and it was mixed practice and it was it was a really good place to start work. Um, it was very busy and you got to see cases and do things that you just wouldn't have the chance to do 
in, you know, city practice. Yeah. Um, and it was probably about 80% small animals um, or maybe a little less than that, around 20% horses and, oh, no, well, probably about 10% of just miscellaneous, whether it was the the odd, the, the annual cow Caesar or, you know, the the a pig, uh, you know, a group of pigs um, with erysipelas or something like that, you know, or someone might bring yeah. in a chook. Um, but it was really great. I got to see and do things that um, that I just didn't get to once I moved into the city, back to the city. Um, you know, hit by cars, toxicities, you know, snake, snake, snake envenomation, snail baits, red enticides, hit by cars, fractures, amazing neoplasms, you know, mm. that you just spectacular things like that, that you just go, wow. Mm. Did yeah. school prepare you well for that? I think it did. I, good. I, I'm really, they gave us good foundations, you know, um, our vet school to just apply first principles and to be able to make a start with things. Um, and, yeah, I, I really felt like they did their best to put us out into the big world, um, give the best skill set we could use to then grow and develop further as veterinarians. How many doctors were in the practice? There were, I think, about four vets. We were a, yearly, a really young crew uh -huh. um, and the practice owner, and there was probably about I think four vet nurses. What uh, what was your on-call schedule then? Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. We were yeah. working like I think it was would have been about 50 hours a week at the practice and yeah. rotating through after hours and weekends. Um, so it was full on. Um, and the biggest challenge really for me was um, having a life outside work. Yeah. You know, that was that was what really made me burn out towards the end. Um, was that it was just all work, and I enjoyed it. I really mm -hmm. did, but I needed, um, I needed something equal and opposite to fill my cup. You know. Yeah. 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 And um, in the end, I just um, I had to head back to the city where I, I had a bit of a network. I had my sister there and a, a couple of friends, and just um, yeah, just find a better balance. How long were you at the practice? I was only there eighteen months. And yeah. I, I really wanted to stay two years because it's almost like this unspoken law that if you're a new grad, you've got to stay at a practice for two years to kind of, uh -huh. um, you know, return the favour, so to speak, yeah. 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 <laughs> of all that you gained from the practice. So what was next? What was the second practice? Oh, well, what I did was um, I ended up stepping into a, a locuming position where I worked amongst five different practi affiliated practices in Melbourne mm -hmm. and I just yeah. my whole year was basically filling in their annual leave for their full-time vets um, at those different practices. And so um, I got to see um, different workplaces in different demographics, you know, in Melbourne, uh, work with different teams um, and that was, that was good for a while and I ended up being offered a job in a a practice that they had just purchased in which they were planning to merge with a neighbouring practice. So I mm -hmm. worked there for a little while. Um, but it was a constant state of change. 
You know, yeah. the time that I worked there was always change. And what I was seeking was um, somewhere to work where there was a bit more stability, a bit more room to grow, a bit more permanence, continuity with patients. Um, and so I ended up applying for a job, which was a really lovely place to work. It was um, a three vet practice um, led by two beautiful women um, and it was just a really nice place to to work. I was there for about four and a half years in the end. It's a really good place to work. Um, close by in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I, um, it was only about half an hour away from home, uh, which is pretty reasonable in Melbourne. You know, yeah. it's it's okay to drive half an hour to work. It's a pretty good um, setup if if that's all you've got to do. Did you now did, being in in town? Did you have on call or no? No. So that was a huge change. Of course, we had uh, the benefit of emergency centres and mm-hmm. um, didn't have to do after hours. It was really just overtime and weekends. You know, that's that's yeah. what you had to deal with. So. So you fought the urge to get a waitressing job and just decided to have more fun instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And then you you got hurt. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I was working hard and um, I don't think I was looking after myself well enough. And I had this neck injury that just happened. One morning I woke up and I had this frozen neck and rigid uh, paralysis of my left arm uh, and all these signs, all these neuropathic symptoms, so shooting pain, numbness, tingling, cold, all sorts of things, Um, and it stopped me dead in my tracks, you know, like it just put the brakes on everything. Um, And so I had to stop work um, and try and work out what actually happened. Yeah. Um, and I had a wonderful GP, a great physio, um, and I, I sought the opinion of two different neurosurgeons. Um, you know, had scans and everything. And whatever type of um, pain medication I took, it just didn't help, you know. Oh. So I had chronic pain. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, the neurosurgeons couldn't tell me exactly what was wrong. One wanted to do surgery in four different places and see if it would work. Oh. And I just, I'm so glad I didn't do that. Um, and that was, uh, the first time in my personal experience where, you know, mainstream medicine just kind of hit hit a bit of a brick wall. You know, I couldn't go any further. It just did what it could. Um, and I had to try and find something else that would help me. Um, because I just couldn't have this chronic pain. For so you know, in the early stages, all I could do is lie on my back. I couldn't even hold a book up in front of me and to read on my back because it was too painful for my back. And you know, oh. it was just it was you know, um, going through something like that really made me appreciate um, the experiences of others who go through you know yeah. similar things because you can understand it. Yeah. Um, and it did make me transpose those experiences onto our patients, you know, those that deal yeah. with, you know, chronic pain and don't really say anything about, you know, don't indicate, mm-hmm. you know, that yes. that's what they're feeling. Um, but then, you know, I pursued different things. I I went to see 
my my physio was great. Got me through this acute phase over a period of months, but then sort of set me set me loose, set me free, and said, ah. "Well, you've got to do the rest on your own." Um, and I went to see a um, a chiropractor. I thought they were an osteo, but they were in fact an, a chiropractor. But I didn't benefit from that modality. Um, and then I went to see a Chinese doctor who yeah. really helped alleviate the pain, um, move my chi, um, and um, I went to see um, a a rolfing therapist, which ah. is typed. Yeah, I don't know if you've yeah. heard of it or not. Oh, but yeah. it's yeah, type of myofascial release. It's also called structural integration, and it works on the soft tissues, and um, that really helped move me forward. Those two treatment modalities were really what got me to, you know, get my life back. Was um, it painful? Was the rolfing painful? You know, it was uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say painful because um, it definitely wasn't painful. It was, it was just an unfamiliar type of massage and uh-huh. um, I actually grew to enjoy it, you know, yeah. and I, I the alleviation that, that it provided was incredible. So had um, you had, you got acupuncture, did you have herbs at all or? Um, yeah, I was given them and I mm-hmm. did take them. I think I was a little, um, I can't remember much, to be honest, about the herbal medicine type side of things. I was given them. I did take them perhaps inconsistently, um, in the beginning. Um, but it definitely, definitely helped. The acupuncture itself helped so much. Um, it wasn't until I found a more longer-term Chinese doctor that I then discovered the real benefit of Chinese herbs. Um, yeah. Yeah, and how they can just continue the effects of an acupuncture treatment beyond just that one session and really yeah. you, you, you gain momentum in, in getting back your balance and your vitality. So did that send you into the IVIS course then? Well, it's funny. You know, I'd always had an interest in natural therapies Oh, um, yeah. Right back from you know my my teenage years, um, um, but they never really kind of manifested until two thousand and nine when I applied for the course. I think I'd already applied for the vet, the acupuncture course, which started in two thousand and ten, and ironically, I had my neck injury in two thousand and nine. Yeah, and so um, the two kind of unfolded together, I suppose, my recovery and. Um, and my discovery, if you like, oh, yeah. of um, Chinese medicine and acupuncture. How was it going to class when you were in so much discomfort? Um, you know, I just, you just learn to live with it. Yeah. I don't know how else to, to, to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, you just learn to put up and not complain because um, you, can't just, you can't just keep tell, telling people how uncomfortable you are each and every day, you know? Yeah. Um, you just got to move forward. Um, yeah, and I'm, I, you know, I thought when I enrolled in the the acupuncture course, which was through IVAS, um, my intention was to be able to have a different um, modality to offer all our arthritic patients. Yeah. You know, um, so because when I the, the way I was treating with this, them was you know, doing x-rays, giving them arthritis injections, giving them anti-inflammatories, some sort of joint support, and that was it, you know. And yeah. you, 
uh, again, you kind of plateau with that kind of approach. So I wanted to have something else to offer, you know, those types of patients. And I thought, right, once I do this acupuncture course, that's it for study. You know, I'm done. I've done 10 years of uni. I've done yeah. this acupuncture course. I'm going to have a real rest from all of this. And the exact opposite happened. Uh-huh. You know, it just opened my mind to all the other um, integrative therapies out there that that exist and the potential to be able to, you know, offer more to our patients other than just the conventional, um, you know, treatments that we have in general practice and, and what they can bring, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really wonderful. And I never looked at a patient the same again. I never palpated a patient the same again. Uh, um, yeah. You know, yeah, the, the palpation skills that you learn, uh-huh. you, you gain are just, just wonderful, you yeah. know. I, I almost feel sorry for the conventional vets that don't get that in school. Yeah. You know, that they're missing on so much, even if you, obviously, even if you're not doing acupuncture, but to be able to examine a patient in that way, I yeah. think, I just don't see my conventional colleagues being able to do that. Yeah, you get a lot more out of it. I really yeah. do think that. Yeah. 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 So that was a and great. Then, and you started lecturing and teaching in the acupuncture course then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was um, asked to be a demonstrator in the live workshops um and then uh and I did that for one of the the whole courses and then the the second time round I was um lecturing as well during those live workshops <clears throat> pardon me yeah, did you enjoy that great. teaching I you did enjoyed that. I love the connection you know uh-huh. when you get to get up um try and explain something to someone or a group of people um, and deliver it in a way that, you know, um, it's reaching out to them. You know, they're getting it um, and you're bringing something new. Um, yeah, I, I really love that. And I love that. I loved um, just feeling like you're amongst equals who um, just are interested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So what what got you involved in the TAE training and then working with veterinary nurses? Oh, right. Um, well, after my neck injury, I kind of, I couldn't do surgery anymore. Um, I was limited with, um, what I could do in practice. You know, it was mostly consulting, which I love. I love people. Um, Mm -hmm. um, but I was also trying to have a baby, um, around that time too. And I was still working long hours and, um, you know, it was a fast pace. You know, we all know what it's like, long days, weekends, um, overtime, all that kind of thing. And so I wanted to slow down a little bit um, and I thought it would be a nice way to um, slow down a little bit and just get, um, you know, a Cert 4 TAE and be able to step into the the teaching realm um, and and just do it for six months. It was actually a long service leave position that, that came up um, and I had to um, – take the coursework and make it my own basically yeah. it was yeah um and I enjoyed that um there was prep work um lectures also marking all those sorts of things but whilst I did that I also took up a um a casual which then became part-time job at an integrated veterinary practice as well so yeah. the intention was to slow down but I was doing just as much <laughs> <laughs> as before <laughs> um, yeah 
So af- having done the TAE, do you look back at, at the, at the IVIS course and think how much different you would have even presented your own lectures had you been through that training first? Oh, no, I'd actually done the TAE. Oh, um, all right. Yeah. Um, how did, yeah, I did the TAE, I think in between the two courses, it may have been. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd already done, um, yeah, done that by the second time I'd done the course anyway. Okay. Yeah. So helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it is, you know, learning styles and um, Mm -hmm. even the dry stuff, you know, about the education framework and things like that. You realize how much there is behind it and. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It is. Yeah, I agree. And thinking back to vet school and how maybe some instructors weren't the best at yeah. teaching, maybe they were good at other things and, yeah. you know, how, how just critical something like that would be for, you know, like we talked, you know, you get to vet school and, and you're either just trying to paddle to stay afloat or yeah. if you're competitive, but you need good teaching and sometimes you it's do. a little bit lacking. Yeah. You need, you need inspiration. I think yeah. like if um, I still remember the lecturers who inspired me in my vet course and in my Bachelor of Science course as well, you know. I had a botany lecturer in my first degree um, and he was amazing. He was just wonderful. I still remember him to this day and um, and he really reached out to everybody in, in that in that unit and made us all love plants and um yeah to this day i just love the way he delivered the information and just ah, yeah that sounds wonderful yeah all right so you were you were working part time at this integrated practice then yeah. uh, then what happened um so yeah i loved working at uh, integrated practice it was the first time i'd worked in a place where integrative therapies were part of the treatment plan so it was yeah. nice to be able to see that, be part of that, and, and also just notice, uh, you know, clients walking through the door who were seeking that. You know, they had reached a bit of a plateau with their own patients in their own, you know, uh, in their own regular veterinary um, relationships, you know, with their regular mm-hmm. vets, and yeah. they just wanted to do more. So it was nice to see that there were people who were seeking this um, and um, how it could work. Um, but what made me stop was I was pregnant. I had, you know, I, yeah. I had a baby coming and, um, I stopped work, uh, thinking I had two months to go to prepare for this baby, you know, get a cot and get clothes and all that sort of thing. And five days later, I had my, my first baby on, uh, oh. Christmas day. Yeah. Oh. Seven weeks early. So it was a big surprise. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I just was plunged into motherhood. <laughs> yeah. Everything worked out. It did, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. it worked out just fine. Good. And yeah. then you started uh you started working in a in a rehab practice, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So um that's that's where I currently am now. Um I did work at this rehab uh clinic between children. Um, mm-hmm. for a short period and um, I did have issues trying to fall pregnant the first time and I was expecting that would happen the second time, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby two came quick and fast um, and so I had to to stop work. 
Um, and and I took a break from from work for a while. Um, yeah. You know, starting a young family, and then of course COVID came along. Yes. So um, the kids were young, um, and we needed to make a decision about what do we do in terms of keeping them safe because when COVID arrived there was all this uncertainty around yeah. what was safe and what wasn't and, you know, um, uh, yep, so I stopped work and I homeschooled for a couple of years um, and and then the opportunity came to work in this rehabilitation clinic once more, which was just wonderful, you know. I uh-huh. just I, I got to, um, I, I am, I'm working there and, um, providing acupuncture for you know their their patients and doing what I really enjoy. And somewhere in 2020, you started working for CIVT. Yes, yes, I did, <laughs> and I love it. I do. Um, it was wonderful. It was towards the end of the second lockdown. You probably know that Melbourne, you know, had the the most wonderfully long lockdown. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. of all. Um, and so it was wonderful, you know, as one door closes, another opens, and this opportunity came to work with CIVT in enrolments and be part of the incredible team there. And, um, and yeah, it was wonderful. It gave me um, the opportunity to, I felt like I was amongst my tribe again, you know, yeah. uh, being with people who have this common interest, appreciate what integrative therapies can bring. Um, and you know, inviting others to who are curious to to learn and know more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I do. I love it. So what, <clears throat> you should explain what your role is with CIVT. Oh sure. So I'm yeah. um, a student services associate. I work in um, enrolments. So I basically just deal with um, inquiries about courses, helping people know more about courses that they may be interested in, helping them decide. Uh, what's the best pathway forward? You know, how much do they want to take on? Do they want to, you know, start little and and then grow bigger, or do they want to just dive right in and get a big qualification? You know, what's their forte? Is it acupuncture? Is it herbs? Is it rehab? Is it nutrition? You know, trying to work out what what sparks them, you know, uh, lights them up and help them find the right course for them. That's got to be kind of fun. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, do you, do you sense any, are there any differences between, uh, countries or with the students that are rolling and what they're picking? Oh, that's a good question. What sort of courses they're looking at? Um, I think, I think a lot of people are still drawn to acupuncture, Chinese herbs and Western herbal medicine. I think, um, that's, but, but then there's this Big growing interest in nutrition yes. in the college as well. That's really big, um, and that's exciting, you know. Yeah. Because um, as as vets, I think we go to vet school and we learn how to we learn the basics of nutrition, but we learn about how to um, match a bag of food with the patient, uh-huh. you know. And um, this just this is different. It's going back to you know natural food. Not, not, that's interesting. not processed food, you know? Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I, I guess if I would have had to answer the question I, from my position in the college, I think I do I do feel a big swell of people mm. that are interested in nutrition. It's real. And yeah. um, even outside 
you know, the veterinary world, you know, there are vet techs, there are animal health professionals, even human health profession professionals and pet owners who are interested in this. You know, it's it it kind of ripples out. You know, it's a greater yeah. interest than just amongst vets. And I think it's it, good to know more about this, you know, so oh, that for we sure. can, yeah. It's, it's interesting here, at least, I guess, through COVID. Um, I don't know how things are there, but it, we get a lot of patients that come in and they're on a prescription diet from their primary care veterinarian. And with COVID, you know, sometimes those diets haven't been available. Yes, you know? that's true. So it's been a window into more natural nutrition for them, which makes it a little easier, actually. Yeah, you sure. Know, you know, they want to do the best for their pet and and that and you know, it doesn't take much to say, well, you know, really that prescription food you were doing wasn't really the best anyway. And Yeah. And I think so Yeah, sorry, when we think about ourselves as well, you know, um, what's the best kind of food to put into our bodies? You know, um, is it I think of my kids, you know, is it to to make an analogy is that this loaf of bread that's got all these vitamins and minerals in it and that's all you need to eat and you'll you'll meet all your nutritional needs and be fine versus variety you know fresh live foods colorful foods you know foods also from you know tcm point of view foods that are appropriate for the season and you know that sort of thing so yeah, yeah. is there much talk of nutrition at your rehab practice or no yeah there is there is um clients are interested in it it's actually an area um, that they're looking into to service, um, you know, clients and patients there better. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So it's exciting. So what's next for you? Well, I'm I'm in a place where I've you know done some acupuncture training. I'm working in an environment that um, excites me, and you know, done a little bit of eastern herbs, a little bit of western herbs, and I'm in a position in my life where I'm ready to take on more. You know, try and learn a bit more, hit the books again, you know, which at one point in my life I never thought I'd do, um, <laughs> and, you know, and diversify myself, you know, yeah. be able to offer more um, more modalities that can work together to help optimise the health of pets, you know. Um, yeah. So that's exciting for me. Very good. Yeah. Well, Sarah, Sarah it's been wonderful. Oh, it thanks has, so much for, Neil. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Oh, and, thanks for having me. And thanks for everything you do for CIVT. Oh, and the same to you. It's All a right. great crew. All right. Yes. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. CIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.